0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Can you see it? Did you
1: notice? Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! moment's notice, it
0: Here. Like I don't, I will not cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks.
1: By, my Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in Day. Wow, really? we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
0: What our house Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. <laughs> Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HOCKEYSEASON, capital H, capital S, all one word, at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Go check them out. Go buy yourself some Upper Deck Series 2. Go hog hunting? Is
1: that what we settled on, or is it hog hunting, Chris? I guess hog hunting. Like, you you gotta change the pronunciation a little bit. Simplify it, just call it hog hunting. Or maybe people, I don't know, maybe the Hogbird card's in there, because Hogbird just, uh, you know, his stock's through the roof right now if he's got a rookie card in Series 2. Yeah, good way to kind of segue into our conversation
0: about the Vancouver Canucks. This is the Canucks conversation, so let's talk about that loss, that 2-1 loss to the Ottawa Senators. Chris, we'll start there. We'll just start with your thoughts on the games, because I've I've got a few things written down here that I want to touch on today. Things that I saw uh, around the league, we'll get to that later, but what were your thoughts on that game last night?
1: Yeah, I thought um, you know I was right in the post game for the last couple uh, for Canucks Army and man that um, that wasn't great hockey. I don't think uh, the last two games here for the Vancouver Canucks it was uh, it was a tough game to watch. I think for the Canucks losing against Hogberg and man they just they couldn't get anything on that rookie goaltender. I think it was something in the second period like four or six shots or something in the second period they got on him uh, couldn't really amount to anything. Even in the third period when they made a push, but. It's unfortunate because, like, that's that's a goaltender that you really want to test. Like, you want to make sure that getting thirty plus shots on that goaltender is kind of the goal for you going into that game. And the Canucks just they simply didn't have it uh, in the second period, especially. And I think that's something that Brandon Sutter and Travis Green both talked about in the post game. So, like, the team was aware. Just I wonder where that where that letdown kind of came from, and if this is. Sort of what we're going to be seeing a lot more of as the as the season progresses here The schedule cranks up and these guys are still dealing with, with the fallout From having the team be fully, basically go through the virus of COVID-19 Have it infect basically all the players I mean, this, is, this might be, that second period against the Sens might be something that we see a lot of as the season goes on
0: Yeah, that's the thing I was thinking about when I was watching that game Was just, these guys look gassed Right? Like, they looked tired last night, and it's not gonna get any easier, Chris. 2.30 start time tomorrow. What the heck is that all about? But, 2.30 start time against the Ottawa Senators. And then the next day, they play the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, it's not gonna get any easier for the Vancouver Canucks, Chris, but, is there anything that you saw last night that kinda gives you a glimmer of hope that, oh, maybe, maybe they can turn it around, and maybe they'll start to, start to play like they did against Toronto in those first two games back?
1: Yeah, I'd actually say that, like, the defense pairings and goaltending, really, I think the forwards might have been the thing that let down the Canucks in that game, but I I like when the defense pairings kind of sit the way that they are right now, with the first pairing being Hamnick and Hughes. I, I like the way that they're vibing together. I actually wonder, like, I, I wonder if Hamnick is an option to kind of stay around with the Vancouver Canucks, because it doesn't, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to pivot this right now into this, but, like, is there another right-shot defenseman that is kind of the future guy for Quinn Hughes? Like, Jet Wu, what he's doing in the AHL Might be a good option down the road But for next season, like, do you think Hamannick Is an option just to stick around because he's starting To play a lot better with Quinn Hughes as his partner
0: Yeah I, I think that's kind of the move Right, like you have to You have to look for guys that mesh well And Jordy Ben was one of those guys Right, mm-hmm. but, you know He's not coming back um. So yeah, I think Travis Hamannick is a guy That you look at as kind of a, a Stopgap, because again, like you can't rush Jet Wu into the league next year, right? And you don't know if he's ever going to be good enough to play with Quinn Hughes at the National Hockey League level. Like, he's going to have to be able to show you that he can play NHL minutes, and he's not going to be able to show you that as soon as next year. There's no way. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't mind Hammondick maybe bringing back on a one or two year deal. That's That seems like a good path for the Canucks to explore this offseason.
1: Yeah, I just—it's something that I haven't really thought of. But now that I'm just kind of bringing up the defense core, like it, it does make a lot of sense. Like you mentioned, to have him as a stopgap because I think he's going to bring a lot of what Chris Tanev brought to that pairing, and I think that Hamannik's going to do it on a cheaper rate. And like you mentioned. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see another one year deal for for Travis Hamnick in the situation that he's in. I don't think anyone's banging on the door to give Travis Hamnick a three year deal in free agency. So, I, I wonder if that's that's in the plans for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward here because honestly, as the season has gone on, it was it was definitely some tough sledding at the start, right? I mean, it, they weren't they weren't having a lot of chemistry together in the early days of that pairing, but now Hughes and Hamnick like uh, Quinn Hughes is playing some of his best hockey I think since returning from, from the COVID outbreak I mean he's he's starting to look dynamic again I think his skating has looked a lot better He's doing those just those quick pivots and spin moves that we saw a lot of in his rookie year He's kind of getting back to that now And I think Hammonick is, is the right type of guy to play with Hughes Because he is that defensive minded guy who is going to let Hughes kind of run wild And go off leash and, and do his thing as a defenseman who likes to be dynamic And, and you mentioned it, you know Wu, a lot of what Wu does really lines up nicely with what could be a good pairing for Quinn Hughes, but he's he's not ready now. I mean, he, we mentioned it at training camp. He might have been one of the, the least NHL-ready looking players at training camp, and I think he's come into the AHL and impressed a lot. He looked great when he was playing with Jack Rathbone as his partner, but Jet Wu is still... You know he's going to probably need a full AHL season next year, and then maybe look for a call up after that. Or you know maybe he gets a really good year next year, a good off season of work, and and we start to talk about him as a call up later in the season. But it, it's still a year or two away, I think, for Wu. So I, I wonder if a one or two year deal for Hammonick is something in the future for the Canucks.
0: Yeah, I, I think it should be. I, I think it absolutely should be. And on the topic of the defense core, I took a lot of heat for this, Chris, but Tyler Myers, he's looked good since the Canucks came back. Now, I will say that the game Monday night against Ottawa, he didn't look as good as I thought he did in the first game, the first couple games back. But Tyler Myers has been pretty solid in these last four or so games, and mm-hmm. maybe it's because the bar is low based <laughs> on where he, based on where he was before, and kind of what we're used to seeing from Tyler Myers. But I've liked his game, and I, I think I, you you got to give a guy credit for that. He's he's playing well, and. You know, he he's gonna come back to Earth and he's gonna he's gonna play like the Tyler Myers that we all know and love. Well, maybe not love, but um he he's been solid. And <laughs> but, I think he yeah. deserves
1: some recognition for that. And I think Olea Levy kind of stabilizes that pairing a lot, right? I mean he's You know, Yulevi's a very smart hockey player. That's that's gonna be the thing that gets him through the NHL and gets him through his career is his hockey smarts. I mean, he's he's able to jump into plays be well he's been doing a great job offensively lately, but like Tyler Myers, I think when he's playing with a guy like Ole Yulevi, he's also knowing that he's the veteran presence on there. He's the primary puck mover, he's the primary offensive defenseman in the offensive zone. So it really opens up Yulevi to kinda have you know, have opportunities like last night, you know, when he gets a lot of space, is able to move into the offensive zone with a couple Couple strides and get a shot off like he did And score a goal like that I think that really benefits Yolevi when he's playing with Myers And and yeah Myers has been good like Myers Has come back and, and looked solid he had to Play in a top four role earlier now he's kind Of slid back into that third pairing Alongside Levy, and still getting a little bit of time In the top four when they're kind of trailing And they want to get Myers more involved in the play And yeah I, I agree with you I think he's been One of the better defensemen since coming back But have you noticed that that all The, like, the highlights that they play Of Tyler Myers they'll run a little clip while they'll show like five defensive plays he's made Have you noticed that all of those highlights Start with Tyler Myers like laying on the ice Around the crease Like like that's that's his move right Like his move is to just lay down Because it's like you, you can't Like there's no player in the NHL Aside from maybe Zdeno Chara That can take up as much space As Tyler Myers when he lays down I just noticed that like It'd be like oh and here's Tyler Myers Penalty killing today And the first clip is just like him laying down Right in front of Braden <laughs> Holtby It just seems to be you know His go-to move defensively
0: yeah, no it is. He his slip and slides per sixty is through the roof. <laughs> oh man. That's that's amazing. Okay, but I, we, I wanna talk jump. about
1: no, I wanna talk about Yulevi a little bit because like I I've liked a lot yeah, of actually, what Yulevi has done. Sorry.
0: I need to push back a bit on that. I that was in my head, but then you made a joke about Meyer sliding, so I got distracted. But Yulevi, I, I did I don't see what you're seeing. I I, I just I don't think he's played well, Chris, and there's nothing about his game right now that's telling me that he's an NHL defenseman. I'm sorry. It's just, I want to like Yolevi and I want him to be good, but it just hasn't been there. Like, in these games he's played, and, you know, the goal was pretty fluky, we all know that, but aside from that, like, what have you seen from Yolevi that's made you say, like, yeah, I've liked
1: what I've seen from him. Like, what have you liked? I think I've liked the creativity of his breakouts. I think that he's done a good job of moving the puck out of the defensive zone into the neutral zone and upwards. I think that's the thing that's going to get him through, right? His hockey IQ and his ability to kind of break out of the zone. And I think him being the secondary option is where he needs to be in the NHL. I think that's what's going to be able to keep him in the NHL is not being the primary guy to move the puck. And I think he's done a good job of that. And in the offensive zone... Like Since since the Canucks have come back from COVID There's no player that has attempted more shots Towards the net than only a levy And there's no player that has more shots on net Per 60 than only a levy I think that his offense is being really shadowed Because I think that what he's doing In the offensive zone with getting as much space Being paired up with Tyler Myers Is taking the advantage of having that open ice And getting shots on net because no player has a higher shots per 60 than Olya Levy since returning no player has a higher individual Corsi per 60 since returning than Ole Levy this guy's firing a ton of shots on net and for years Canucks fans have just wanted one thing to get shots on net and Levy's doing that in the offensive zone because Tyler Myers is taking up so much attention when he's on the ice with him so i just i'm liking a lot of what Levy's doing in his breakouts i'm liking what a lot of Levy's doing in the offensive zone and i think that i think he is an nhl player i think what he's doing is is NHL caliber right now And I think that there is still room to grow for a kid Who's just in his rookie season right now
0: I get it Like the thing is he's just playing such Sheltered minutes and he just doesn't look Great defensively which I thought he did Earlier in the year and that's the thing is like I think he's looked he's looked worse These last few games than he did earlier in the Season I just I, I Don't know I, I want him to be an NHL D Man I really do but I just think When I'm watching these last few games he just He seems like he can't really defend and yeah. that's not something we've seen from him in the past. So I hope he turns it around. But I'm just I'm just being honest. I just I I don't see it like many positives in Yullevi's past couple of games. Obviously there was the goal and like you said the shots on goal. But you know how many of those were actually dangerous chances. You know what I mean? Just throwing the puck
1: on net doesn't do enough. Well, I think for the Canucks, it does. I mean, you look at what they did against Hogberg last night. Throwing more pucks on net would have been a good thing. So, you know, bringing that type of offense is good. And and to, to battle back a little bit on his defense, I mean, you're playing defense with Tyler Myers in the defensive zone. And, you know, Myers isn't going to be great at defending quick, Quick moves around the crease or quick things on the boards, really, like defending, that's, that's Tyler Myers' biggest weakness for sure. And that's, that's putting a lot of strain on Olya Levy. So I think even with those sheltered minutes, it's, it's tough to look strong defensively when your partner's Tyler Myers, who, you know, as Wyatt Arden has said, is the chaotic neutral, I believe he's called him. Like in the defensive zone, he's definitely chaotic and just, I think it's a tough spot to be in for Yolevi, but it's also a good spot offensively. Because, like I said, he doesn't have to be the primary guy in the offensive zone. But it's going to be tough to see that third pairing really be super well, you know, look great defensively, right? I mean, like, you got Tyler Myers as your partner. It's it's going to be hard to look good defensively with Tyler Myers as your partner. It's kind of as simple as that for me with Yolevi. But, you know, like, he's not blowing the socks off, right? Like, he's not... I get what you're saying, how he's Mm -hmm. not kind of like living up to expectations. And obviously, we don't have to talk about where he was drafted, but just like even the new expectations of Yalevi, I think he surpassed them. Like, if you were to say a year ago, give me the sheet in front of me of what Yalevi's done this year, if you would have shown me that a year ago, I would have been impressed. It would have blown away the expectations that I would have had for him this season.
0: That's fair. I guess, and, the expectations and they're not were that really, high, really
1: low. That's the thing. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like, they the expectations aren't high at all. Like, they're pretty low for you, Levy. Yeah. But for him to come in and to me, look like an NHL player, not an NHL top four like everyone wants him to be, but to look like an NHL defenseman who, yes, plays sheltered minutes and, yes, plays on the third pairing, only plays about, you know, 12 to 14 minutes a night. But still, the guy, like, he's fitting in As an NHL player to me and, and that's just a positive to see out of him I just, I like what he's doing offensively the most I think that's the thing that Yalevi's gonna bring On a third pairing as he goes through his career Is just be, like, the sneaky offensive guy You know, like, he's gonna get those goals Like he scored last night But to me, just seeing the high shot totals And high attempted shot totals That's that's good enough for me For a guy in your third pairing who's playing 12 minutes If he's able to lead your team in shots per 60 Like, that that's a good guy to have on your third pairing i think
0: yeah i get it it's just man i don't know you, you saying myers is myers holding him back i don't know look at look at levy's numbers with and without myers it's not pretty i think his course is like 47 with myers and i think it's like 32 or 35 without myers so i'm not i'm not trying to say tyler myers is the the, the man sent down to save all levy's career but <laughs> i'm just saying like i think Yolevi benefits playing with Myers more than he does anybody else. I think the results would be worse if Yulevi was with literally anyone else. I think Myers really helps out Yulevi quite a bit,
1: actually. Yeah, I think like, like I've been saying, it, it makes him the secondary guy, right? Like when he's out yeah. there playing with Jalen Chatfield, you know, he's the guy, right? Like Yulevi has to be the guy to move the puck out. When he's playing with Tyler Myers, Myers, there's one thing he does great, it's move the puck up, right? He can skate it up, he can move it up. He does a good job of that. And I, I think that the pairing works for me. And I know we're going to have Tyler Myers here for a long time with this contract that he signed. I, I think this is going to be the third pairing for a long time. And I think moving into the future, either of these guys, if they continue, you know, if your levy continues to progress and Myers continues to not digress as much digress, digress. Which one is it? Degress. Digress. Well, that's a that's a whole another one. Uh, but digress <laughs> is
0: yeah. Digress is if you say like I digress, you're saying like here's a counterpoint. Regress is that the word?
1: Yes. Sorry, regress. regression. Yes. So yeah, yes, if he regress, if, yeah. if if Myers continues to be what he is, he's gonna be able to step into a top four when needed. But he should be in the bottom pairing, right? That's. That's the that's the tape on Tyler Myers. So if if both of these players are able to do that for the next couple of years, they could be options to help in the top four, but probably shouldn't be top four guys. So you know if if that's going to be the way it goes, uh, you know this could be a third pairing that we see in Vancouver for a long time. Degress is also correct in that uh,
0: scenario. Just so you know, I had to look it up, but I was I was thinking I'm like Degress sounds right. Yes, Degress was (laughs) correct. So was Regress though. So. There's our English lesson of the day. I want to go elsewhere in the North Division, Chris, because Tyler Toffoli last night twenty-five goals on the season. I think, I think I, if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, I think he's on pace to score forty goals in an eighty-two game season or something crazy like that. Just wow. absurd. Nobody, nobody could have expected he was going to perform this well, and I'll I'll say that right now because what I'm about to say is going to piss off a lot of people, and I know. I've already come with the Olevi doesn't really look like an NHL defenseman take, so I know people are going to be mad about that already. So here's 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 what I'm saying about Toffoli. I see people on Twitter, okay? And you know this is a huge pet peeve of mine, and people who have listened to the show before, you know I was a fan of Tyler Toffoli, thought they should have re-signed him like many. And what did we say, Chris? We said prioritize him over Jake Furtanen. Did we not say that on this very show? Yeah. And look at it now. Four points for Jake Furtanen. Like, it is almost... It's not even... Like, I'm not trying to rag on Jake, but it's kind of impressive that he doesn't have an assist on the season. Like, y- you have to actively... Tr- it seems like you would have to actively try to not pick up an assist when you have the skill set that Jake does. Right? Like, accidentally bumping into an assist, that doesn't happen over all the games he's played. I just... Honestly, it's it's impressive in its own, its own its own weird way. He's got four points on the season, no assists, okay? So... I look across, look across the North Division. I see Tyler Toffoli lighting the lamp in Montreal. Now he's got a like twenty percent shooting percentage, not sustainable. I've seen people rightly point out that that's going to come down. He's going to come back down to earth. But here's the thing: is if you are if you were defending losing Toffoli to this point, and here's the thing, I think Jim Benning himself would say, "Yeah, you know what? Losing Tyler Toffoli probably a mistake." The GM's able to say that, so. If you're defending losing to Foley like it's your job because of the length of his contract or how he'll come back down to earth due to his high shooting percentage, you better be extremely pissed about the Tanner Pearson deal because that runs the same amount of years. That's an extension that they just signed, yeah. and I'm not seeing this. I'm seeing the same people that are upset about to or sorry, that are fine with to and explaining why this is fine. They don't need to Foley. This contract sucks. They don't. They don't have anything to say about the Pearson deal. It just, it, it blows my mind, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but man, I've seen every excuse for why Toffoli, oh, he's gonna block Pod Colson from the top six, or he's just gonna be on the third line when Pod Colson gets here. What do you think's gonna happen to Pearson? Like, it's the same thing to a lesser degree, because Toffoli's an objectively better player than Tanner Pearson, and I'm sorry, I know this is gonna piss off a lot of people, but man, I are we watching the same players here? I'm just... I'm I'm blown away that people can have this take because here's the thing like people are talking oh he he wouldn't score that if he was on the Canucks or he wouldn't he's not going to do that again this is just the first year of the deal he's going to suck next year okay take away half the goals he scored this season he's third on the Canucks in goals scored Chris take away all the assists he's recorded and he's fifth in overall scoring points For the Canucks. Like, he would help them. Absolutely he would help them. He would help them more than Jake. I'm willing to bet that. And holy cow, he would probably help them more than Tanner Pearson. But you could have both. That's the thing. This isn't Tanner Pearson versus Tyler Toffoli. You could have had both. But they don't. They don't have both, Chris. They prioritize Jake and Tanner Pearson. That's what the Canucks are left with. In this scenario, and I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I can't, I can't stand seeing people on Twitter just continue to defend this move that letting him go is somehow okay. Like, the management group can admit that that was a mistake. Not publicly, but I'm sure they can admit it privately. And I'm sorry, but if you're defending Ty- losing Tyler fully, like it's your job, like someone's hiring you to do this, I just, I'm sorry, I, I don't even engage with these people on Twitter anymore. I just saved it for the podcast because it's just, it's not even worth
1: talking to them about it. Yeah, well, you mentioned, you know, that management would admit that it was a mistake. They they did. Like, they said they ran out of time, right? Like, they ran out of time to get a deal done with Tyler Toffoli. So, obviously, they wanted to get him back in here. And you mentioned it. I mean you're paying more money to Tanner Pearson and Jake for combined than you are with Tanner Pearson or with Tyler Toffoli. And and look what he's doing in Montreal as well. Like this, this is a great opportunity for us because we've seen the Canucks play Montreal so much this, you know, Montreal Canadians is just a team that we wouldn't see before the North division was formed, but like Tyler Toffoli's out there killing penalties. He's on the first power play unit. Like the, this is a guy who's ultra impactful to, to what a roster looks like and how you can help a team and, It's unfortunate Like you said, it's hard to not beat a dead horse Because this is, you know, it's not old news Because Tyler Toffoli now has 25 goals this season But it is something that you look back at And you have to say that this is a mistake And I agree with you, people defending Letting Tyler Toffoli walk For for what the Canucks ended up doing instead You look at it in hindsight And absolutely, it was 100% a mistake To let him walk for the money that he did and, And not prioritize a guy like Tyler Toffoli Who likely would have been playing you know, probably close to 20 minutes a game here in Vancouver this season. He would have been on that first line like he was last year. And I think that it, it is an unfortunate situation because not only does he improve the Canucks first line, but dropping down one of Brock Besser or JT Miller likely, if you have Elias Pedersen healthy, dropping down one of those guys to play with Bo Horvat and maybe be with Niels Huglander, like, Wow does that ever round out your top six Like man would Tyler Toffoli ever make the top six so much better No matter where he was used If he was used then you meet You know maybe he's with Horvat and Pearson And Huglander's playing on a third line Like there's there's some real actual depth there Created from Tyler Toffoli just being in the lineup And yeah it's it's looking at Looking back at it and looking at it now It's like It felt like a mistake at the time When he signed with Montreal Like it felt like a mistake that the Canucks weren't able to get a deal done and to see it now, it's like, you know, you talk about rubbing salt in the wounds. This is kind of just like going in with a thousand paper cuts and diving into a salt bath. Like, this is this is bad to see what Tyler Toffoli doing. And the Canucks knowing that they had first chance to sign this guy and get him back in the lineup. It's, it's bad. And I agree with you. The people on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, this is why you don't engage with everyone on Twitter. Because some people are just, I don't know a nice word to put it, so I just won't say anything at all. That's what my mama told me.
0: There you go. There's a couple things there, Chris. Okay, like, there's people, there's people out there being like, oh, well, he's a, he's a third liner on a good team. What does that make the Canucks then? Cause he's on the first line if he's on the Canucks. <laughs> and I'm sorry. This isn't a thing about us being negative or evil negative Vancouver media, whatever, because I will remind everybody when the actual evil Vancouver media, and I don't actually want to call them that, but when most, most people, when Toffoli, when they traded for Toffoli, Every podcast, every blog, everybody was talking about how much they hated this move. They did not like the move right away, and... Chris and I did an emergency podcast and we were saying how great of a trade this was and how Tofoli is going to help them in a big big way. We called it Chris, I'm just I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I'm sorry if like it's not about being positive or negative because we were extremely positive about them trading for Tofoli, but trading for Tofoli, giving up assets and then losing him and then seeing what they could have had in him, okay? That's just bad business no matter yeah. how you slice it. And I'm sorry, it's just there's there's
1: no way to defend that.
0: It's you shouldn't try to find a
1: way to defend that. Is what I guess I'm trying to say. I I want to go back and listen to that emergency podcast that we put together. Like we did that the day, like hours within the trade, right? Hours within the yeah. trade of Tyler fully coming here. I want to go back and listen to that. And maybe somebody will just go back and listen to that emergency podcast. We we must have mentioned that it has to be an extension for him after that deal, right? Because giving yeah. up Tyler Madden a second round pick is a lot. Like that's that's a lot to give up. And to throw that on top of seeing what Toffoli's doing this year, the Canucks running out of time with him, oh, man, it's... Yeah, That's that might be the wor- one of the worst storylines. Like, that's... To me, that's up there with not playing Mikey DiPietro for a game. And we'll get to DiPietro in the second half, obviously. Uh, I have a lot to talk about with the comments, and we'll get to that in the second half of the show. But to me, like, maybe I'm missing something, but is there a worse storyline than what Tyler Toffoli's done? Not just to the Vancouver Canucks, but really what he's done with his career over the past year. Like, I don't think... I mean, aside from obviously COVID, but like, is there a worse story? (laughs) Yeah. Like, is there a worse story looking at like the roster of the team compared to what Tyler Toffoli is now doing and the way that it all just played out with losing those assets in Tyler Madden and a second round pick and now seeing Toffoli do what he's doing in Montreal? Like, I don't think that there's a worse roster situation that has happened for the Canucks in the past year. I think the Mikey situation is close. But I think that Toffoli's bigger. Like, honestly, I think if you had Toffoli in your top six right now, that's a bigger story to me than not playing Mikey DiPietro.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. No question. No question. And the thing about that trade, Chris, is we were saying, like, I remember the emergency episode, Chris. We were saying, like, Yeah, you know, you don't want this to be a rental Like, hopefully he wants to re-sign in Vancouver And if he doesn't want to re-sign Then that'll suck for the Canucks Because then they won't be able to get him signed He wanted to sign in Vancouver Like, he he wanted to be here He kept saying all throughout free agency Even after he signed in Montreal (laughs) He was saying how badly he wanted to re-sign with the Canucks Okay, so the team wanted to get him signed And he wanted to sign with the team So what the hell went wrong? And obviously we know what went wrong They ran out of time uh which is a completely legitimate excuse. So I think we should wrap it up
1: here, Chris. Well, well let me the... let me add one thing to that because like look sure, at sure. look I wonder how much it is about Jim Benning looking at players that he signed for you know three plus million dollars and thinking, you know, these players just haven't lived up to the expectations, right? right. And if Tyler Stefoli say he wanted four million dollars from the Canucks, say he wanted four point five million dollars from the Canucks, I wonder if Jim Benning looks at it and is like, you know what? I've made all these mistakes with Brandon Sutter's and Jay Beagle's and Antoine Roussel's. I don't know if I can commit to a player like this for a four-year deal making that much money. And I wonder if if Bennings past mistakes kind of hurt him going into that conversation with Tyler Toffoli. And now you see a guy in Toffoli who's playing way above what he's making. Right? Like he, I'm sure he would have been doing a similar thing with the Vancouver Canucks. Like I don't think I don't think he'd be a 25 goals, but I I wouldn't be shocked to see him, you know, hovering around leading the Canucks. Like, being around that 16-17 goal mark that we see Brock Besser and Bo Horvat at, that wouldn't have shocked me at all to see him doing that. If he was healthy here, playing on a line with Elias Pettersson and JT Miller for a bulk of the season before Pettersson went out, it wouldn't shock me at all. He'd be on the first power play unit doing what he does behind the net, a spot where the Canucks haven't really figured out which player kind of belongs there on their power play unit. He would have been putting up goals, man. And I think if they would have used him on the penalty kill, like he's being used in Montreal, even more of a boosted asset on your roster. So I wonder if Jim Benning's past mistakes hurt him in that negotiation with Tyler Toffoli because maybe thinking that you know Toffoli wasn't going to live up to the money was something that Jim Benning has made a mistake so many times that he just didn't want to do it again moving forward.
0: Yeah, I wonder the thing is, is and this isn't this isn't to say this isn't Jim Benning's fault, because it is, but they were working on that OEL deal, and there was the we're not sure if we're gonna get buyouts from ownership, and obviously they didn't like they, they did want to buy out Brandon Sutter. There was there was a lot of reporting that went on that the Canucks were hoping to buy out a player uh, in the offseason and they, it was it was probably going to be Brandon Sutter. They weren't allowed to buy someone out. Now, that definitely hurt them. That definitely didn't help with the Toffoli situation. But neither did distracting yourself with OEL, which didn't even happen for that long. And, yeah, like, I I, I just wanted to point that out. That the buyout also had something to do with it. And the OEL trade that never was also had something to do with it.
1: Yeah, lots of things ended up adding up to making the situation what it is. So it's unfortunate because now you look at it as a whole, you look at the whole situation of Tyler Toffoli as a Vancouver Canuck and it's nothing but dark days really. I mean we had some we had a good little run with him for ten games in the regular season, a little bit of playoff action. Aside from that, it's been very dark just to see how the whole situation has played out and especially to the present day. I think it's I, I, I agree like I I think looking back at it it is the worst roster construction story of the past year for the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Okay, let's let's get to break, Chris. We'll come back. We're gonna talk about goaltenders, which has me very excited. So on the other side of the break, Chris and I will break down a few more things the Canucks upcoming schedule, along with some goaltender talk.
1: Keep it locked, keep it loaded on the Canucks conversation. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 4.9 beer from our commercials here on the show, and now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. I got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the peach bod for yourself from Parallel49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram at Parallel49 as in the numbers and then beer. That's Parallel49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right. Through those food delivery apps, Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, parallel49brewing.com. That's parallel, the numbers 49brewing.com. The
0: pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca/jobs. All right, and a huge thank you to all of our sponsors at the Canucks Conversation podcast. Chris, you wanted to break down my pitching mechanics, which I don't think I gave you permission to post on Twitter, but you did it anyway. So, go ahead, Tell me tell me what you think of my pitching mechanics?
1: Yeah, once again the the private stories have helped me again uh, as with my content on Twitter. You're going to uh, get blocked, bud. I'm going to I'm going to block
0: you from the private story and the listen, the personal and all that stuff.
1: You're going to get blocked. I've been I've been blocked, I've been unblocked by you already over the past couple months, so I'm just I'm just going with the flow right now, you know, when the waves of content come in off the private feed, that's when I'll I'll bank all my saved videos to make fun of you later. So I've got enough content now for probably six months. So even if I am blocked for the next two months, you know I'll just start re-upping the content when I get unblocked again. So I, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, like I said, if I get blocked again, then I have to threaten you with the other videos that I have that definitely shouldn't be out on social media.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's break down. Let's break down these pitching mechanics. I tweeted out the video today. You know, I'm watching the video right here in front of me again. A couple things you could probably work on here. First thing is your stride length. I mean, you're only getting about three and a half feet right now on your pitch, and you got to be exploding. Like you, you got to really be exploding to get more length on that, get you closer to the to the plate. I mean, a guy with your your height and your stride length, you gotta you gotta crank that up at least another foot.
0: Yeah, I, I know stride. So, length I'll give is something you Got to work on. Yeah. That,
1: okay, that's a fair criticism. Second thing. Second thing, you gotta get the ball out of your glove quicker Because you're rushing so hard You're already going so fast to the plate with You're leaning towards the plate With the ball in your glove still With your hand and the ball in your glove You gotta get it out because you're rushing at the end And you're not getting enough Like you're not, you're almost short-arming it Because you're forcing it so fast And you have to speed up your delivery You gotta get the ball out of your glove a little bit quicker
0: Okay, so here's the thing I was talking to, listener of the show Friend of the show Brandon Markland, pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, he's from North Van, and we mm-hmm. we t- converse on Twitter quite a bit. And the reason I was filming myself is because I'm playing men's league and I want to b- get better at pitching. So I sent him a video of my mechanics, and he said to hold the ball in my glove a second longer. Actually, so really, yeah.
1: I don't know, Chris. I, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna think I'm gonna I don't take know. Brandon's advice on that instead of yours. I don't know. I, I maybe I could give Brandon a few tips. Uh <laughs> No no, definitely not I know he's a listener of the show And and probably ten times the pitcher I ever was But I don't know it just looks like you're hurrying everything up And I think the uh, the final thing I would bring up Just from watching it is You have a pretty decent tuck with your glove To kind of like turn your body But I would probably even like think about more of it Like opening the door really hard With your glove hand And pulling it so that it opens up your body a little bit more To kind of get the arm engaged Because it looks like you, you know, it just looks a little stiff. I think just with, like, from from when you're at your... I don't even know how to explain it. When the ball's behind you and you're about to start going to the plate, you want to really turn that glove in and tuck it in, I think, to get yep. a little bit more speed. So I, yep. I'm i giving you tips because I don't want to bury Bonds you so hard when we finally get this opportunity to, to have an at-bat against each other. Good time to plug the Patreon because that's where it's going to be posted. We're going to get someone out to film yep. us and we're going to do an
0: actual... Vlog in a little home run derby See I- I'm gonna be able to strike you out Like I, I dude I-, I was out there Working on my b- breaking ball there's no way you're gonna touch me. Like I'm not even. I'm not. I'm not trying to brag, but there's there's no way you're getting you're getting good contact. Like, dude, okay. I can throw a cutter, a sinker, and a two seam, and I've got it. Um, I'm not even gonna tell you what I can throw because I'm just gonna show you. And you're, there's no way you're touching this. And I know you played DL and that you you went to uh you almost went to the NCAA. So I I know what I'm up against. I know what I'm up against, but. Uh, you know, I'm good for 20 pitches. That's the other thing I realized is y- you yeah, know, clo- I have a problems since I was like yeah, 14. you're a closer. So, yeah, I'm uh, you're you're getting you're getting two at bats against me and we'll we'll see what happens because yeah, that'll that'll be a lot of fun. But patreoncom combo. That'll be in the bonus content. So, 5 or 10 dollar tier will get you that. So, definitely go check that out. patreoncom combo.
1: It excites me that you have three different fastballs because it means you're not confident in one of them. If you got a cutter, oh a two gosh. seam, and a four seam, you obviously aren't confident in any three of those. So I don't care which which way they're moving, half an inch one way or the other. I'm taking it out. It's gonna hit the meat of the bat, and I'm launching. one of these assumption.
0: Things. I'm not. I'm not even gonna defend it because you're just. You're gonna have to try and figure out which one I'm most confident with. Because you are right. I, I'm conf- I'm most confident with one, but I can throw all three in any situation. So, yeah. I'm, and are uh, you are uh, you I'll, I'll I'll a left-handed attack.
1: batter? Are you a lefty or a righty when you bat? Righty. Ready? Okay, so I'm gonna have to. I'll pitch to you. I I'll pitch to you as well. I'm left-handed, so I don't know how you are against left-handed pitchers. But oh no,
0: no, no! I'm not. I'm not hitting off you. I can't hit. I'm I'm awful at
1: hitting. There is no well, that's, chance we're doing that. That's the way it's gonna be. Fair is I can't pitch. So, like, have like I ever told bean. you? <laughs> yeah, I've ever told you about the <laughs> the last pitching, the last time I ever pitched in the PBL. Yeah, you. Have I told have you this story. Show. Yeah, yeah. So I worked out my biceps too hard the day before, and <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going on the mound, and my arms were so tired. And I walked like I think it was like six to eight batters in a row, and they didn't even like it was a preseason game, so they just stopped the inning. Like we just turned the inning over. I didn't even That's get amazing. out. We just turned the inning over. Like my catcher was laughing at me. So <laughs> okay, let's get it, let's get back on track here. Get into some hockey talk here. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. So yes, let's let's <laughs> let will be back. on the Patreon. Good good video content for the Patreon. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, let's let's get back on track here, Chris. Let's get back here. So what were we gonna talk about? We said we would talk about the Mikey D Pietro situation. So this was an interesting one, Chris, because we talked for a long time on this show about how they need to get Mikey D Pietro in games, and Archer Sea just wasn't getting any starts in Manitoba, so it made sense for them to bring seal back and put him on the taxi squad They sent Di Pietro down I wrote an article Which blew up on Canucks Army Don't know why exactly But it, it did well uh, About how this was the right decision For every goaltender in the system And I, I'm not going to extend that Obviously to Jake Kiley as well Who's obviously still in Utica But Di is going to get starts And Silov's is going to get more time Working with Ian Clark Listen I talked to Silovs about a month or two Ago and he basically just said You know every time I've worked with Ian it's just been amazing I've Never had a coach like him before and that Was the thing we knew about Silovs is you Look at how he plays he clearly hasn't Been coached extremely well um, mm-hmm. So him Getting more time to work with Clark Is good for him Di Pietro Getting games in and getting to apply The things he's learned with Ian Clark is good For him and it works for every goaltender In the system now a day after I wrote that article, that <laughs> Drew Demko suffers a lower body injury at morning skate. It's minor, so it doesn't look like Silovs is gonna have to start. By the way, I'm <laughs> I'm in the camp that if if Demko's not 100 percent and you don't want to risk further injury to him, just throw Loves in against uh, Toronto because Toronto, for some reason, they can't score. They they get in their own heads when there's something weird going on Like, coming back from a COVID break, (laughs) Toronto can't figure it out Zamboni driver in net, Toronto can't figure it out 20-year-old Latvian goaltender who is at least four years away from the NHL in net (laughs) Toronto might not be able to figure it out So I'm just saying, Chris, and I'm not trying to rag on the Leafs here, but... I'm just saying, maybe don't be completely closed off to the idea of sea loaves starting. And I, 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 said it before, Chris. I said on this show, there's no way sea loaves can start. That would be a nightmare scenario for the Canucks. They cannot start sea loaves at this point. Do it. Throw them in against the Leafs. Just see what happens. I think it it could make for a really good storyline,
1: and I think the risk reward is worth it. I wonder, I wonder if they go back to Holtby though. Like, if if Demko is going to be out for a couple days, I think that what Holtby did to the Maple Leafs in the first two games is the thing that's going to be on Travis Green's mind. And I think that... You know, your storyline is a lot more fun. Like, you know, to to think that the that the Leafs would lose to a Zamboni driver to a team that just came back from COVID and now, like he said said so elegantly there, uh, a twenty year old Latvian goaltender who who you reported on being married at eighteen and having yes. his name spelled incorrectly as oh. he took the pregame skate, but they ended up getting uh, the right jersey apparently after the game. Jeff Patterson was doing some reporting on that. He was sea loaves. He was wearing a, a, the actual right spelling when the game started, so they, you know, props to uh, the Canucks staff there that that got him the right jersey. Uh, it's too bad. Like I hope that I hope that he keeps the sil. Was it Silvo's? That's what it was. Silvo's. Yeah. So I hope that he gets to keep the Silvo's jersey. That would be an awesome thing to have. Uh, you know, for him to keep. Like it's an NHL game they spell your name wrong. Incredible. But I think that if. If Demko is gonna be out like day to day, right? You know, that's it's a strange thing to hear about an injury because is it really day-to-day? Is it is it going to be a few days? That's kind of what you use when it's going to be around a week. I think that's what you say. Day to day is the way they use it. And I think if, if it is gonna be any kind of injury that's gonna not bring him back at a hundred percent for Wednesday or Thursday, I think I think Solovs does get a start. Like, I think he does get one of these two games to start. And, you know, to see that Mikey DiPietro was sent down just the the day before the injury is the most Canucks thing ever. Like, you you could have predicted that this was going to happen pretty much if if you've been following the Canucks for long enough. You basically knew that that one of Holtby or Demko was going to get injured immediately after DiPietro was sent down. But I I wouldn't be shocked to see Solovs get the start in Ottawa. I think that... The Canucks are looking at those two games and I think the best chance to get two wins, if you don't have Demko, would be Silovs against Ottawa and then Holt be against Toronto. Because you got travel in that back-to-back, you got a kind of a weird start time with the 2.30 game. I just think that that weird Wednesday game with the 2.30 start, I guess 5.30 uh, local time start in Ottawa, I-, I wonder if that's the night for C-Loaves. Like I-, I feel like that would have been... A home run to see Mikey DiPietro play If he was up here <laughs> And unfortunately he's down in Utica Which we'll get to in a little bit Got a lot of stuff in the Prospects report about Utica But I think it might be Silos on Wednesday And I think Cole Lynn might get into one of these games as well We'll touch on him in a few seconds But I'm curious to, to think what you What you have to say here about you know The Wednesday-Thursday games If Demko isn't 100% ready to go Let's say that he's you know 85% do you, do you sit him or do you play him In one of those games even if he's at 85
0: no, I don't think you play him I think, I think you do go with Sealoves And I think that, that's not a great situation For Sealoves, but Like, I'm sorry, people are really Going to see what I was talking about Like, it's one thing to hear me talk about it on the podcast About how his stance is too wide And he's gonna, it's going to be a while before he's NHL ready But when you see him play, like don't get discouraged though. Like I, this is this is a precursor for everybody watching him play. It's like oh my gosh, this guy sucks. He let in seven goals or whatever whatever the result is. Um, and you watch his stance and just see that he doesn't really look like what an NHL goaltender looks like. What you're used to seeing. Just know there's there's a long road for Sealoves, but there's a lot of raw ability and a lot of upside, and he just needs to be coached correctly. And the Canucks have the right people in place to do that. So. Don't lose hope when Silovs gets lit up if he plays, but also don't you know don't don't expect him to come in and turn yeah. in any any sort of like miraculous performance. It'd be great. I'd, I'd be the first one cheering him on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I I thought I I thought I'd set that out so people kind of have a rough idea of what to expect. Like his stance is really wide, Chris, and he he'll like. Okay, do you remember? Did you see the video of Artem Anisimov? Uh, dressing as the sense emergency <laughs> backup, and he was like dropping yeah, into did. the butterfly, and he would like go down on one leg and keep the other leg up. Like Silovs does that sometimes. Like he he oh, does no. that. Um, he's got really long legs, so he takes up the entire like bottom of the net. But he he also is so low that he'll like stand up on one leg to to try and take up more space up high. And it's just it's, that's just not how you. That's not how you goaltend. So, people yeah. are gonna see some stuff. But I, I saw that video of Artem Anisimov, uh, a guy who's you know pr- probably rarely played goalie in his life, never at the NHL level, obviously. And it reminded me a lot of watching Archer Seelov's play. So,
1: uh, long way to go well, for the kids. That's not but... a good. Uh, that's not a good review on Seelovs at all. Well, he, okay, after seeing what the Anisimov video was.
0: Here's the thing. Artem Anisimov probably has the same amount of goaltending coach Like, good goaltending coaching That Artur Silovs has up to this point in his career um, <laughs> So, you know the thing the thing that separates Artem Anisimov and Artur Silovs is that Silovs is an athletic freak who has extremely fast reflexes and has very 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 raw upside that could be turned into somebody who's a very solid NHL goaltender and I doubt Anisimov has that. So that's what separates them, but in terms of their technical abilities, Silovs is a little bit better than Anisimov. I I I'm definitely short selling him here, but you get the point. If he plays yeah. You're gonna see what I'm talking about. That's all. That's all I'll say. Um, people, I think it's people kind of the same thing.
1: What's that? I, I just feel like it's the same way to like if you were to see Jet Woo play right now, and if Jet Woo was forced into an NHL game and had to play with Quinn Hughes right now, it would be like a similar showing to what you see from Loves. As you know, to a counterpoint, if you were forced to see Mikey DiPietro play, it would probably be something similar to what you would expect from Cole Lind. Right, the, the players are just at different parts of their development where D Pietro is ahead of Silo's by quite a bit and I think that Cole yeah. Lind is ahead of of Jet Wu quite a bit that I think that you know comparing those two situations is actually something pretty similar to what we might see as you know potentially Lind and Silo's end up playing this this week right with the back to backs and the Canucks coming off of a loss I think Cole Lind going into the lineup is is a good move right now um and i think that he's in a similar spot to being nhl ready to where Di Pietro is where they're probably not ready to be you know like Pietro is not ready to be an nhl backup today and cole lind is probably ahead of Di Pietro actually in his development where cole lind does have the potential to be a bottom six contributor like today you know i just think that that's why they need to see this guy and, and maybe we'll get to lind a little bit more here but i'll just let you close out on your goaltending uh your goaltending talk here with silos like if he's forced to play, what like do you expect the raw talent to carry him enough, or is it just going to be like what we saw with Di Pietro when he was forced into action as a teenager?
0: It might, against the Sens, you never know It, it might, um, I definitely like him playing As much as I want to see him play against the Leafs Just for the lols, and get the storyline That he like shuts out the Leafs or something crazy like that <laughs> um, You know, from, from a pure technical standpoint A team that moves the puck as well as Toronto And shoots the puck as well as Toronto You definitely are going to see those errors with angles, uh, coming out enough, not, a, not quick enough lateral movement. It's, the thing is, he's so explosive. Like, you know who he reminds me of, Chris? Is Yaroslav Askarov. In terms of, he is so, so many raw talents, just such a low stance, and he's so explosive, and he could be so much better if he just narrowed that stance and changed, tweaked a couple things. But remember, like, before the World Juniors, I was telling everybody how Askarov wasn't the best goaltender in his draft class at this point in time. He definitely is the most upside. I was saying it was Joel Blomquist, and uh, I'm going to stand by that take, but people saw at the World Juniors, like, I I remember there was people tweeting at me some pretty hurtful things, but people were saying, like, how can you say this about Askarov, all these scouts have him so high, and then at the World Juniors, everything that I said was a flaw in his game, people were like, oh, and I'm just saying, like, I didn't expect him to play as poorly as he did at the World Juniors, I know he's a better goalie than that, but all of the things that I said weren't great about his game really did come back to bite him, like, the hands are meh, the, the stance is too wide, and he just he wasn't able to figure it out for the world juniors and I'm saying the same thing with sea loves as I'm saying he he has a lot of potential he's just not there yet so could the raw talent carry him through maybe but i i i'm I don't think people should be holding their breath, but I would be the i would be like the happiest person to see sea loves come out and just have an outstanding performance because I feel like I'm the only person in this market who talks about him as much as I do so it, it'd be cool to see him come out and uh, and have a good performance against the Sens or the Leafs, especially wow. the Leafs.
1: I hope Kevin Woodley's not listening to this because he's not going to like what you just said there.
0: Well, I don't think I don't Woodley Woodley's asked asks me about Silovs. He oh he, he damn.
1: I'm, uh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not uh, calling him out doubling, like, <laughs> doubling down on the Woodley take here
0: <laughs> No, he came on the podcast And I said, hey, what do you know about Sea Loves? And he goes, you've probably watched him more than I have And it's true, uh, I have So, it's just, wow. you know, Woodley and I go back and forth It's it's, it's a give and take relationship
1: Yeah, that's, that's Kevin Woodley of Out of Goal Magazine Now, thanks to David Quadrelli <laughs> uh, Okay, the only thing is, like, Thatcher Demko... Do you expect him to be back for these two games though Like is that where you're kind of feeling right now That he is going to be back for one of these two Based on Dolly
0: Wall's reporting Yes and just kind of how There didn't seem to be a lot of Panic in Travis's voice when he was Asked about an update yeah. on Thatcher Demko but here's the thing Chris Demko's day to day Elias Petterson was once day to day Right mm-hmm. and look, Look where he is now and I'm just saying we don't know for sure, so there's no point trying to speculate if he's going to be back. I think, based on Dollywell's reporting, that yeah, he, he could be back in time for Toronto. But I also don't think it's completely out of the realm that we see Archer Silovs get a start here. Just to keep Holt be fresh.
1: <laughs> the storylines, man. The storylines would be great. Yeah, they would be.
0: I'd do a, I'd do a full breakdown. You remember Olio Levy's uh, debut, how I did a shift-by-shift breakdown... Of all six minutes that he played I would do a save by save breakdown Of sea loves and talk about angles And all that stuff, that would just be me and my element
1: Okay Well I'll expect to see that on Canucks Army very soon Then, uh, alright do we want to get to Do we want to get to Colin real quick And then we'll kind of just transition into comments from there For the prospects report, let's sure. Like Cole Colin's gotta play one of these Two games, he has to, right Yeah, absolutely Absolutely, there's no question, no question He's been activated off the taxi squad. He's now part of the Vancouver Canucks roster. He's, you know, coming off a loss. Uh, he's got to go into the lineup. I think he's got to go in against the Ottawa Senators here for game one of this back-to-back. And you know, just to see. Like there is potential in this kid. You're gonna get something different than what you've seen from Highmore and VC and Howard. Like, you're gonna get something different from Colin. This kid has serious scoring potential. And if he's able to do the things that you see from Highmore or you see from Howard Luck, and you see that effort level, if Colin's able to do that plus have the scoring ability and playmaking ability, that's why you need to get this kid in right now just to see it. You know, even if it's a handful of games, even if it's like three games, you know, those three NHL games are going to mean so much for Colin going into next season when he's pushing for a roster spot that you just, you have to see what he has to do. And, there's no better situation, I think, than right now against the Ottawa Senators in this back-to-back. Like you, Cole Lind, just it would it would it wouldn't shock me, but like it would baffle me to see the lineup not have Cole Lind on Wednesday for that two thirty game. It would just it would be wrong in my eyes. I I don't remember who tweeted it, Chris, and I want to attribute it to the person
0: I read it from. But they made a really good point. They said if you can play Matthew Highmore in the top six you can put Cole Lind in the lineup and probably in the top 6 like you can do the same with Cole Lind if you're going to put Matthew Highmore there you can you can put Cole Lind you you can have a shot at Cole Lind and that's the thing is i don't think Travis has been super pleased with Jimmy VC lately um he he talked about i think it was after the saturday game about how VC hasn't looked himself In the past few games, and it's hard to disagree with him. I know Jason Bruff has been all over the VC hate train, which is hilarious to see because there's people on Twitter saying, "No, you're just being evil, negative media to Jimmy VC." But what has Jimmy VC really done? And you you want to see more from him? It looks like the thing about VC is every time he touches the puck, it
1: looks like he's about to do something big, and then nothing comes of it. So yeah. I've fallen you're- into the trap with VC. I, like, I had to, like, I deleted a tweet the other day because I wrote, like, is it time to think about re signing him? Because you're right. Like, a lot of the eye test things that he does, and even the analytics, like, a lot of it is really good. Like, there's a lot of the things that VC does that's really good. Like, but you mentioned it. It's like, it's, it's basically what the Canucks have had a problem with, like, for the last five years of, like, not being able to string that extra pass together that gets you the scoring chance. You know, like they get set up in the offensive zone, they make two good passes, but they can't make the third one that gets you the scoring chance. And that's that's kind of how I feel with Jimmy Vc right now. Like, there's so many things that he does so well. Like, I really like what he does in the neutral zone. I really like what he does in the defensive zone with his stick and using his sides and using his reach. But he, I think you nailed it by saying that he he seems like he's about to do something, but it just doesn't happen. And I've fallen into that trap because I I see what he's doing, I see the analytics, and I'm like, there's a there's a player here but then the final thing with the eye test and the finishing it's just it's missing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's when you start to get into the sea of grandlands again, right? Like that's what yeah. we talk about when we say the sea of grandlands. That's what Botch was talking about when he coined that term. So perfectly, by the way. It was just amazing when, when I first heard that. I remember being on the bus. And just laughing to myself, because (laughs) Drain the sea of Grandlands, and j Fat's just sitting Oh, it's just amazing, I just Man, sometimes I go back and listen to old PatCast episodes, and it's just Man, we miss Botch So, so much, man
1: Man, and speaking of, I saw today uh, I got a reply from Kat Botchford On Twitter, that uh, she read my Botchford Project article uh, from last Year, and she said that it was, you know, hard to get Through, but she really enjoyed it, so that was that was a, that was like, you know I I remember putting together the the huge Botchford podcast and and I think I started it by saying you know if Cat or her kids ever listen to this I hope that I hope that they enjoy it and the fact that she read that article about Jason Botchford that I wrote it really meant a lot to me to, to know that Cat read that today so that was uh that was a really cool tweet to wake up and and read to this morning
0: that's awesome yeah that's, that's great Cat's Cat's really really nice person so. Yeah, all the best to her and the kids. Obviously moved back to Ontario, so all the best to her and the kids moving forward. Chris, I I'm sorry, I just want to talk about botch now. Do we have anything else yeah, to talk about? It. No, I mean, let's skip let, the. I'll wrap up with Comet. Do you have anything? to Well, big I have a lot
1: forward? of. I do have a lot of comment stuff. Let's let's talk botch for a little bit because like I, you know, getting it kind of like it was weird the other day because we're all celebrating the 10 year anniversary of slaying the dragon alex burrow slaying the dragon on april 26 but you know that's that's april 26 is also the day that jason botchford passed away we obviously didn't know um on april 26 two years ago because the news didn't come out till i believe may 1st or may 2nd yeah may 1st Um, but yeah two years now and just seeing what um you know what the memorial has kind of been like for jason botchford through social media and you know even you know, the other day I was at Rogers Arena with some BCIT classmates and students that we we go to school with and, you know, did a project with them talking about the Botchford project. And now to see what Clarissa and, and Lachlan and Arash are about to go through, just knowing that, you know, Botch's legacy is living on it, it's, it's so incredible. But yeah, it, it was a weird day because you saw people celebrating 10 years of of the Slay the Dragon goal, but also two years of, of Jason Botchford passing away. So that was, uh, it was a strange day on social media, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for Clarissa Rash and uh, Lachlan Because that experience, it's just, there's nothing like it, right? Like, man, I remember yeah. my day Just, you go in, you watch morning skate And you're just rubbing elbows with all these people who want to see you succeed And now, you know, I, I call a lot of these people friends Like Patrick Johnson probably the most of all I, I think that was the first day I met PJ And he gave me his number and just said If you ever need anything, like, let me know and, you know, I'm pretty close with PJ now and, you know, gives me gives me a lot of good life advice. We had a good talk the other night. I'm not going to get into it. But uh, yeah, he gives gives me a lot of good advice. He's a he's a, he's a good dude. Um, but again, that was all from the Botchford project.
1: And well, th- the funny thing is, the other day I was on the phone with PJ asking for advice. Uh, for certain things, and he's like, he's like, oh, I gotta go. Quads is calling me. <laughs> like you call him for advice on a very similar situation. So he hung up the phone with me to talk to you. Um, oh man! So that was that was funny. But yeah, PJ's been a huge help, and I think he's going to be with. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, it, obviously, you mentioned like bumping elbows with these guys. It's not going to be the same. Um. For everybody this year, but they are going to get an opportunity to, to see face to face and meet these media members who, you know, once you really meet face to face, I think things change a lot, right? Like, I, I think you, you just you change from a blogger to somebody that, that that you've met in person. I think that's something that Botch talked about a lot. Like, do you remember hearing stories about how Botch kind of like introduced bloggers to people in the media box, right? Like, yeah, I, I think of the days when like the Canucks Army crew, when it was like Keeper and Beecher and Harmon were up there with the, with the Canucks Army crew a few years ago. And Botch was, like, loving it and going nuts and, and being so happy about it and reporting about it now, in the Pravies, I believe, at the time, that Canucks Army guys were in the media box to to see what it was like. And I think that's that's the biggest difference that I felt on the Botchford day was, like, you almost got that, that Botchford experience just because you got to meet the media members face-to-face. You weren't just a blogger anymore. Like, you, you were a media member for the day. And getting an opportunity to meet them face-to-face and, you know, I wouldn't say, like, earn their respect, but, you know, just, just to put the face to... To what you do on social media and what you do with your blogging or podcasting or anything was was great, and then you learn a lot from these guys. You learn a ton from these guys, so it's 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 a great opportunity, and I'm, I'm happy for all three of them that they're going to get to go through this.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, it's a fun experience, man. And maybe we'll see them at one of the games. I probably we will, um, which will be crazy because that was that was us a year ago, and now yeah. we're in the press box reporting on games. It's uh, yeah, man. It's. Botch's legacy is just... It all goes back to Botch's legacy. But let's well, go to the yeah. prospect we're, report.
1: Well, we're basically guaranteed to to see Clarissa work in some NHL team's social media in the future. That's, yeah. that's for sure. I don't know if it's going to be Vancouver or Seattle or where it's going to be, but Clarissa has a very bright future in working social media. She's doing yeah. an excellent job for Canucks Army right now. I tell yeah. you, like... The graphics she's putting together, and I, and I messaged her the other day about this She be, uh, she might do some stuff for us here at the podcast as well Because what she's doing with CA is awesome So, um, you know, there might be some cool graphics with us and Canucks Convo moving forward She's interested in it, so yeah, we'd, I'd love to get involved with that Alright, prospects report uh, Just want to go, you know, we talked to Trent Cull today, this morning um, You know, on the media call with the Utica folk And just just a couple of tidbits that I wanted to share, like I found this quote really interesting. I'll get your opinion on it. His his quote about COVID and, and the Comets returning to play was, we have to move on. We have to start preparing like we're a fine. Are we ever going to be in the shape that we were before COVID? No. That was that was Trent Cole's quote about this team returning to play. To to think that the Comets had a much smaller outbreak than the Vancouver Canucks did and, you know, call to come out and say that, yeah, they weren't going to be in shape like they were before COVID – you know, I think that speaks volumes to what the Canucks are going to end up going through through this crazy stretch. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. May May is insane. It's it's insane to see what they have in May with back-to-backs each week for the first three weeks of May. I mean, that's that's going to be a very tough finish to the season if this Canucks team wants to make a playoff run. But what did you think about that quote from, from Trent Call? I thought it was pretty honest for him to say that about his team coming back from COVID.
0: Yeah, I think during covid you really like to see players staff all personnel be honest about what's going on right like that's why people really gravitated toward the jt miller quote right like when jt miller came out and said we are not ready people were like okay like let's listen to him and i really like what call said because it's just that candidness that people want like people people don't want to hear Pucks in deep a hundred times a year Right like they want to hear What these players are actually thinking And what's actually going on like that's what That's what made Botch so special And man I'm going back to Botch again but Man reading the Pravis reading the Athletes Like the players are swearing And you're like wow I I didn't know I watched the post game scrum (laughs) And the player didn't swear so what happened And that was because Botch used to linger at the stalls Right like Botch used to get quotes that Nobody else had because the players Respected him that much and Man, it's just, you You like to hear that candidness. And that's, I think that's what kind of, you know, separates good reporting from great reporting.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. And that was that was a tough thing for me. Like, I did that interview with the BCIT students. Uh, shout out to Lucas and Brayden um, the other day. And just, it was hard to, like, put into words how, how like, to answer some of the questions about bots. It's almost just like you know it's almost it's just it's weird to put into words and anyways we'll get we'll get back to the prospects report here um the other quote that he said uh that Trent Cull said about Mikey DiPietro Pietro was um, here's his quote on him I have a plan for him we sat down with Curtis Sanford and Ryan Johnson we have a plan for Mikey we look forward to having him in our lineup. Um, A couple things that he added as well Was that there's some rumblings about a Postseason action for the Utica Comets because they're Going to finish on May 14th I believe Um, And then there's going there's some rumblings About them potentially having you know a Seven game series against maybe Syracuse or something Or Syracuse might have fallen out but anyways Another team in their division um, for a Seven game series maybe for some playoff action To kind of decide the winner of their their Small division over there Uh, it's Between the Players Association of the AHL And the league right now but uh, he would be Excited to see them play and then the final Thing that Cole said about DiPietro Pietro was that th- there's probably going to be some rust in DiPietro's Pietro's game, but he's he's excited to see the new goaltender that Mikey's become just simply from working with Ian Clark, and I think he nailed it with that. Like maybe not from game one because I think game one's going to be a little bit of rust for for Mikey getting back into it, but like once he finds his groove, gets into that third fourth game. I really think we're going to see a different goalie in D Pietro It's like he's going to be testing out all these things That Ian Clark's been working with him And now he's finally going to get a chance to try it out and I'm I'm super interested to see those first few starts for D'Pietro, just to see the the things that you'll immediately notice that's different from his stance, from his play, just from from everything that he reads reads the puck and reads shots coming. Out. Like I think there's going to be a lot of very different looks uh, from Mikey D'Pietro compared to last season. It might actually get you watching some uh, some Comets games here pretty soon, quads.
0: Oh yeah, I'm watching I'm watching D'Pietro starts absolutely because you know that's that's my beat, man. I got I got to stay on it. And the thing I want to talk about. Really quick is you know I, I wrote this story for Canucks Army I spoke for a long time with Curtis Sanford and I was sitting on those quotes which was why I used them in the story I did uh, when D Di Pietro got sent down because in my original story that I did after talking to Curtis I didn't use the quotes about Mikey D Pietro but Curtis and obviously Ian and everybody in the Canucks organization is super are super impressed with D Pietro and what he's done basically what Curtis said is. DiPietro came to us and just said, here I am, I've had good coaching in Windsor, work with me, make me the best goalie I can be, and he never pushes back, he asks the right questions, and he's a a good student of the game and of the position, he really wants to improve, and he really just gives himself up to Curtis and Ian, and that's what makes having Curtis and Ian work together the way they do, like Curtis and Ian talk a lot, Right and they make yeah. sure that there's No different messaging and I'm sorry th- That's not the way it works in every NHL Organization right like when you go from the NHL To the AHL things are different And Jake Kylie can attest to this like he Was talking about how when you go to different levels Sometimes things are different uh, And you know I'm sure that's from talking to Some of his friends that are goaltenders and, and whatnot But that's, that's A good thing that the Canucks do really well And that's probably the best thing that the goaltending department does is that communication between Curtis and Ian to make sure that they're preaching the exact same things is huge. Because now Mikey having this coaching from Ian isn't going to go down to Utica, work with Curtis, and... You know stray away from what Ian was showing him in games And nobody's there to hold him accountable Like Curtis is going to yeah. know exactly what they were working on And he's going to be able to make sure that Mikey stays on the right track And all that training he did with Ian isn't for nothing
1: Yeah that's that's going to be really exciting to watch those first few games back Just because like man we, we've been talking about it for so long And now to see it I know it's late and, and people would have liked to see DPS target action earlier But he's going to get the action You know like in the end this is a good thing I mean he could have gone this whole year Without getting into a game, and I expect to see you know six six starts at least if we get to playoff action. Likely more than six, but the only problem is like what they have in Utica with Joel Hofer, you know Yoel Hofer uh, down there you know, from the St. Louis Blues organization. He's been really good, and the Blues are very high on him. They sent down a goalie coach to go help him, right? Like D-Pietro's not going to come in and immediately get a ton of games because not only that, but I'm looking at next week's schedule for the Comets. So the next, so starting on the Sunday, May second, the seven days that follow that day, they have five games. They play back to back Sunday, Monday, day off Tuesday. They play Wednesday, day off Thursday. Then they play Friday, Saturday. Like there's a lot of games there. DiPietro likely gets three of those starts of those five games, and then you you just you think it's going to be fifty fifty kind of moving forward, just because of what Hofer has done down there in Utica and what the St. Louis Blues want. This is this might be the first time that. We've seen a little bit of a maybe just a rift down there between the two teams, having both of their their prospects down there, because they're going to want Hofer to play, and the Canucks are going to want to get Deep back to what he's doing last year. Where you know if if they had four games where there was days off in between, there's a good chance Mikey was going to play all four. I I don't think that that's going to be the case as the Comets finish up their season this year. I don't think that. With days off, Mikey's going to be able to play all those games I think Hofer's going to get into those So I, I only really see him potentially getting into Like I said, six games this year Unless there's postseason action Then I can see him getting into more But maybe five or six games for DiPietro moving forward here
0: Yeah I, I'm i really curious to see how that all shakes down Because it's, right. it's going to be a situation That really does impact Mikey More than anybody, right? And mm-hmm. you hope you hope that in sending him down, you know, we, we've talked about how the Canucks made the right decision, but you, you really hope that the Canucks, because they're, you know, they have their goaltending coach, you know, St. Louis has their goaltending coach down there too, um, because they have personnel down there that they'd be able to kind of throw their weight a little bit and get DiPietro into some games. So
1: we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but Hofer's, we'll see what man, happens. Hofer's been good. Hofer has been very good. Since since playing and becoming kind of the starter down there. So, uh, by the way, I'm looking at the schedule here from Cody Sievertson He was also the one who sent out that tweet that you referenced earlier uh, about if Highmore can play, minutes as Cole Lynch play. That was Cody's tweet uh, from earlier. Give him props. He was giving the podcast uh, props today a little bit.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah,
1: thanks, Cody. Good yeah. tweet. Absolutely. Um, one of the final things I want to bring up, and I guess that's a prospects report. There's there's not a lot of prospects games anymore, to be honest. Uh, not a lot. You know. S- all of the overseas guys are kind of done their seasons And there's kind of just AHL now So uh, big shoutouts to uh, Parallel 4.9 Beer uh, we're Super excited to announce a six month extension with them uh, lots of new beers coming on the summertime. They already launched like a kind of pre-summer beer with the peach bod. Go out and try that one. Peach flavored beer, a little bit, a uh, little bit more bubbles in a beer than you would be used to, but uh, it's a nice little mix. It's one of those crisp beers on a summer day. So super stoked to to have Parallel. I believe they've been on board for with us now for about eighteen months of being the sponsor of the show. So we're super excited to be working with them uh, for another six months. And big shouts to them for supporting the show. That's that's what I kind of wanted to wrap up with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Huge thanks to Parallel. And you know, we never really do this, but if you have a business and you want to advertise, just just reach out to us. See if we can find something that works. We we never really do that. We we do a lot of cold sales calls, but you know, if you're a listener of the show and you have a business, we we already have ICBA. Shout out to them. Uh, Jordan listens to the show, and you know that's kind of how we started that relationship. So if you're a listener of the show and you want to advertise. Go ahead, DM either of us on Twitter because, uh, yeah, we're uh, we've got an open ad spot. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll close it up there, Chris. Fun episode. Uh, I'm really excited, man. I'm I'm really excited to see Mikey Pietro get into some games. But we'll wrap it up there. So, for Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation.